Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. Are you ready then? Are you ready? Um, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. I'm pumped. Let's do this. Let's talk Let's about the Mormons. Let's okay. talk about Mormons, babe. Let's talk Let's about talk you about and, you and uh, me. Let's talk about all the LDS people that you see. Let's talk about church. Let's talk about church. <laughs> Salt you, and pepper if, would be proud. If you don't leave that in. <laughs> if you don't leave that in, I'm gonna go back and re-edit it and leave it in. <laughs> okay, well, since apparently that little uh twist on one of our favorite salt and pepper songs will be the beginning of episode 25, I will turn it over to you from there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, welcome to episode 25. I can't believe we're already at 25 and really we should be further along, but like we always say, life happens. So we get the episodes out when we can and we're very thankful for everybody's patience and for everybody that messages asking when the next episode is. And we promise that we are going to start gaining speed and getting back on track now that we've kind of found a settling place in both of our lives. So, okay, Cheryl, what are you drinking? Well, I actually took a little turn from the cider route tonight because it is a balmy 97 here in Phoenix still. And so I was feeling summery and I have Carbach shout out to Houston, Texas. Carbacks Love Street Peach. And I'm really loving the, the peach flavor of this lovely, lovely beer tonight. What about you? Well, funny story, but I'm drinking Carbac as well. <laughs> Let's go Carbac. <laughs> That's hilarious. How did we and both end up with beers from honestly, Houston? Honestly, we, we do this quite often where we're either drinking the same thing or the same brewery. Like we, we do this it shows that we're connected. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, or, or at least on an alcoholic level, we are. I was going to say, or we're just drunks. <laughs> I mean, it is in the title. But... It is. Okay. So um, episode, oh, well, I guess I should tell you that I'm drinking actually the Light Circus Hazy IPA from Carbot. Oh, yeah. So. We kind of got off topic there yeah, about how we drunk did. we are. <laughs> Yes, we did. Just proven to everybody mm -hmm. that we stand by our podcast name. We don't yes. just do this on air. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We make a lifestyle of it, okay? <laughs> it is a lifestyle, people. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Oh, we do it for all of you Mormons that can't. <laughs> wow, that's, that was the segue that was fucking beautiful that was great fantastic bringing it full circle back to my beautiful improv of salt and pepper tell us more about the mormons yeah okay well in case you haven't guessed people this is the mormon episode we're allowed to do this because i've told y'all many times throughout many episodes um, I've kind of given you glimpses into my life um, growing up Mormon. I was born and raised Mormon. But now we're going to deep dive 
and I'm going to lay a lot of shit out on the line because I feel like it needs to be said. And I feel like there's a mass exodus out of the church right now. And that's for very defined reasons, like definitive reasons, like there's a reason why it's happening and it's time that we talk about it. And if you're LDS and listening to this, and the only thing I can ask is that you just open your heart and open your mind and just hear me out. And I openly and willingly invite you to go into our our messages. And if you don't agree with something, explain to me why, because nothing I'm about to say in this entire episode is false. It isn't a lie. It isn't made up. It isn't like those mainstream Christian preachers that tell their congregation a bunch of horse shit lies about the Mormon church, a bunch, uh, whatever you see on TV, the horse shit lies and stereotypes that you see on TV. It's not going to be that. I'm going to tell you factual things and the reason why me and my children left. So I willingly and openly invite you to debate me if you wish, but just so you know, and Cheryl will probably back me on this. I am probably the last one on earth you want to debate. Yes, I, I will definitely back that statement. Vina is a feisty ass debater and um, and a bit competitive. So if you do have, well, you know, just just a little, just a little. Um, if you do have questions or comments about what she's about to share, then by all means, slide into the DMs, ask her questions. Or even debate with her, but don't come at her full throttle because I guarantee you that side of Vina is not the side that you want to debate. (laughs) However, if you just come at her with a mature, non-accusatory stance and have questions, she will be more than willing to answer them. And I can tell you this for a variety of different reasons, because first of all, I knew zero about the Mormon church when I met her, she taught me everything I know. And that is because she was very open about me asking questions. And secondly, I can tell you about the feisty side, because if you've listened to prior episodes, you know, <laughs> we, you know we had a little tiff for a couple years and, uh, and she came out, we were both barrels. So I, I have personal experience with both sides of Vina and, yeah, um, and I can like tell you that, that. If, Oh my gosh, please don't. <laughs> we wouldn't joke about it if it, uh, if it were still an issue. But just if you ask her in a mature adult to adult way, she will answer you accordingly. Yes. If and I do love to with, debate. Why the hell are you? Yeah. yeah I, do, oh, I know you do. I do love to debate. Definitely. And as long as you come at me at the same level that, you know, on a, on an intellectual calm, like, okay, I, I can, we can agree to disagree. And here's my reasons. Mm-hmm. I am totally 100% open to that. And I'm open to, you know, non LDS even asking questions. And, you know, if you've heard something and you want to know if it's true, if you're a preacher or you've seen it on TV or whatever, and you want to know it's true, come on, like, send me the, send me the question and let's discuss it. Because I would rather, you know, the facts about my religion than know the bullshit because it's the facts that the bullshit doesn't matter. Like that's not why I left the church because it's bullshit. It's not true. I left the church because there are some things that I want to fix. It's a very beautiful religion. And I grew up defending it with like legit 
with my life. And I, as I got older and I had kids, I had my eyes open to a few things that if they would change, if they would go back basically to the teachings of Christ, it would be, it would go back to the beautiful religion that it's supposed to be. But man stepped in and man fucked it up. And that's, that's the plain and simple truth right there. As soon as you get man involved in any religion, that's when it all goes to shit. Oh, for sure. And I I think that, yeah. And I think worldwide, almost, I I can't say everyone Mm -hmm. because I don't know the statistics, but almost every large organized religion is losing numbers because of that exact same reason because they're losing their focus and the the man-made shit is getting in the way and i know i i don't subscribe to any religion but i did attend catholic church with my ex-husband for years and the same thing's happening in the catholic church because of the the man-made rules and um and changes to as you said the teachings of Christ are overshadowed by all the the bullshit that is put out there. And so well, I know that this is an issue going on with several religions, not just the Mormons, but uh, but definitely with the Mormons, because I know that there are a lot of strict rules to adhere to. And ultimately, that a lot of those are what <clears throat> led you to to second guessing your journey with them. Is, is that yes. a correct way to say that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So you grew up Mormon and then in college for a while you weren't practicing and then you got married and, um, and returned to, to following quite <laughs> religiously pun intended. Yeah. Know. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so, yes. Uh, so walk us through that journey. Okay. So, um, my mom, is the daughter of a Pentecostal mom and a Southern Baptist preacher. So two very strict, strict religions, and especially here in the South. Um, And actually, whenever she converted to um, the LDS church before I was born, um, she, when she was baptized, my grandfather um, went and found the missionaries that converted her and punched one of them so hard. He knocked him out cold in the middle of wow. the town square. And it was actually published in the newspaper, the town newspaper. Um, he confronted him and just knocked him out cold. And so it, the hometown that I grew up in, like my family was very, pro- a very prominent family. Like you, everyone knew my family. And so this was a a huge thing for my mom to have left her father's, you know, religion as a preacher and to join the the Mormon church. But there was something that she saw in it that eventually I saw as an older person, but um, I didn't understand it. So whenever I was growing up, especially when I became a teenager, I was very pissed off at the rules because the rules that we have as as LDS youth, um, and by the way, Mormon and LDS is used interchangeably for those of you who don't know. We shy away from the Mormon name more and more because Mormon is becoming synonymous with polygamous, which we will get into. Those aren't us. 
did it happen in the 1800s for like 40 years? Yes, it did. But that was not, um, that was not something that we were, or maybe it was a little bit longer. I forget, but it was, it was a very short amount of time that it happened. And, um, and then we got a hold of our church and we said no more, but, um, we shy away from the Mormon name just because of the fact that it it's synonymous with all the Utah polygamy sex and we're not involved in that. So we're not the FLDS. We're not the RLDS. We are the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So there's that little um, segue or that little piece of information. So whenever yes, I was a teenager, I think that was the first, Oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> no, go, go ahead. Go. No, go ahead. I was, go ahead. I was just quickly going to say that I, I think that's the first question I had for you because that's really the only knowledge I had of the Mormon church was the polygamy. And you were um, super patient with explaining that to me and that that was a practice of the past and, and exists in different branches, but not as much in the United States and definitely not in the Mormon LDS church. Yes. And the, the branches that it does exist in aren't, they're not part of our religion. Like you will be excommunicated if you're a polygamist. Um, the branches that it does exist in, basically it, those were started by people who didn't like that we shut down polygamy. And so they started their own religion. So that's where you get the fundamentalist, uh, it's called FLDS or the reorganized called the RLDS. Um, those have nothing to do with this. We have, um, those are started by individuals who branched off and wanted to do, um, wanted to keep polygamy alive or, you know, whatever. So, um, it literally like, I forget, but it was, it was such a short amount of time that polygamy actually existed within our church before we, we, um, our church is very big on obeying the laws of the land. And when that, um, we shut it down quickly to obey the laws of the land to, you know, marriage was back then one man, one woman, one woman Mm -hmm. type of thing. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, it was very hard to be a Mormon teenager because we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't drink coffee, we don't drink tea. Like we, it, it's, and I can't speak ill of how we raise our children in that aspect because it's really not a bad way to raise your kid. It's not like telling your kid that they can't drink or they can't smoke or, and you not doing it as an adult. So you're setting the example. That's not necessarily a bad thing. However, the, there also shouldn't be judgments on families that are, you know, choose to have a glass of wine or choose to drink or choose like there shouldn't be those judgments. But unfortunately that's where, that's where a good thing goes wrong. Right, so right. it should be, yes, we as uh, Latter-day Saints don't raise our kids. You know, we don't, we don't partake and we don't raise our kids to partake. Um, We don't have sex before marriage. We choose to live this way. However, we don't judge other people that do. And unfortunately that's not true. Unfortunately, we judge the fuck out of other people that do. And especially those that are members that then become non-member or that leave the church and then start 
to partake of those things. That's when the judgments really kick in. So I kind of rebelled as a teenager naturally because I wanted to drink with my friends and, you know, wanted to have sex and, you know, typical teenage shit. And when I went off to college, I was no longer under my very, you know, strict mom's thumb and college is a whole different thing, you know? So Uh there was all kinds of shit out there. So that's when I like shit hit the fan and I just went back ass wild. Um, It was my, all due respect, but it was, it was equivalent to my Rumspringa with uh, Rumspringer with um, the Amish community. That's kind of what Mormon kids tend to go through when they, if they don't go to BYU or Rick's college in Idaho, they tend to help you Idaho. Um, they tend to go through their whole little rebellious phase. Uh-huh. And I did and shit hit the fan and I hit rock bottom. And the only place I knew that I was safe was in my mother's home. So I went back home and when I say rock bottom, I've never really like completely talked about this, but um, when I say rock bottom, like I was living a very, very bad life and choosing some very dangerous situations. And I was, I put myself in a situation that definitely it scarred me for life. And the only place I knew to run to was my mom's home. And, and again, that says something to her home being a safe haven and a place where I felt like Christ and God were, you know, kind of like the head of that house. So I felt like it was a sanctuary to me. So of course, when I went home, the only thing I needed to do was run back to the church and, you know, save myself from all the bad things that I had put myself in. And, and I basically I was just running with the bad, with the wrong crowd. So right. it was, it wasn't because they weren't Mormon. It was just, I was, I chose the wrong fucking crowd. I chose the druggy, right. you know, terrible crowd to hang out with. And that was my fault. So my choice was to go back and I met a return missionary and got married. And for the next 20 years, I lived the LDS uh, religion and standards. I mean, strictly like very, very strictly. I quit all the drugs I was doing. I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I, I didn't even use the F word that much. Like I was very, I took my swearing down to a minimum. Didn't watch rated R movies. Yeah, I, I lived a very, very strict lifestyle. You did. When I met you, you were <laughs> smack dab in the middle of this chapter of your life. And mm-hmm. the only time I heard you swear is when someone scared you because you can't That's control right. yourself I when can't. someone scares you. I can't. And that the only time it would come out of your mouth. And, yes. you know, our, and our kids were little. So both of us were... Um, were quite different in the way we spoke, but neither of us swore. And I was teaching in a classroom. And so I, you know, I had just trained myself not to swear. So both of us were prim and proper, but then when someone would scare you, shit would come out of your mouth. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So, so true. Yes. Um, and, and I would actually be embarrassed. I mean, which is funny because I cuss like a sailor now. And I used to like in college, I cuss like a sailor, but I was able to shut everything off. Like that's how drastic a change I made was I was, I went back to the church and embraced it fully and wholeheartedly and planned on being Mormon until the day I died, Uh which 
<clears throat> wouldn't have been a bad thing, except as I went along, when I, when I had kids, I especially, well, I won't say especially girls, because I noticed it with my boys, with my boy too. There were certain things that I didn't like that we were taught that wasn't necessarily the gospel side of things. It was more of the man-made um, rules side of thing or the man-made teaching side of the religion. And I didn't like the, the, the I guess, I didn't like the way it sounded and I didn't like the teaching behind it when it came to my children. So my children were actually the ones that kind of made me start opening my eyes and ears mm -hmm. to what was actually being taught. Because I, again, I was, you know, somewhat inactive through my teenage years. So I didn't really pay attention, but whenever it came to my kids, I, I paid close attention to what they were being taught. And there were a few things that threw up red flags. that I was like, Oh, hell no, no. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when my slow walk out of the church began. Okay. Can you think of an example? Yes, I can. So we have, so we have church magazines that are sent to our house that we can order and they have extra, you know, content in them, extra teachings, you know, things like that. And they're, they're really good. Most of the time they're really good stories. However, there was this one, I'll never forget. There was this one article and, and I was reading through, like I always do. And, you know, we can use them for talks and things like, you know, let Sunday school lessons, things like that. So I was looking for something good for an upcoming Sunday school lesson. And I noticed this one talk and it pissed me off because the whole talk was centered around the fact that basically to cut it short or to make a long story short, uh, the young women are responsible for the thoughts and actions of the young men. So it was telling the young women that they had to dress a certain way. And keep in mind, Mormons are very modest in our dress and we're taught to be very modest. And I'll get into the, the whole sex part later, but we're taught to be very extremely modest in our dress. Shorts and skirts need to be no more than like a, you know, two fingers or three fingers above the knee. Um, we have to wear, a, we can't wear sleeveless. We have to wear a cap sleeve at the, at the least. This article said in a roundabout way, well, not even roundabout, it plain flat, I mean, it flat out said that a young woman in her dress and actions are responsible for the thoughts and actions of a young man. And it basically pleaded with them to control their dress and their actions and their speech so as not to put bad thoughts into the heads of the young men and, and, I thought, wait, what? Because at at the end of the article, it it basically said that the young women of the church, which two of them were my daughters, were responsible for the salvation of the young men of the church, which one of them was my son, and how they dressed and act. And wow. if they put impure thoughts into those young men's heads, then they were at fault. And I thought, okay, first of all, my daughters are not responsible for all of you <laughs> <All of you. laughs> they're not responsible for the thoughts of young men and men alike and my son 
I taught my son, I yanked him out of his room and I know he was scared shitless, but I was like, I want all of you to sit down right now. And I read them the article and I told my daughters, you are not responsible for the thoughts of young men and men. And I don't care if you walked through downtown buck ass naked with your badge just out in the open, you are not responsible for the thoughts of any man that sees you. And I looked at my son and I said, you are completely wholeheartedly responsible for your thoughts and your actions. And if you see a girl that gives you certain thoughts or you think she's dressed provocatively, that is none of your business. If you have an impure thought, that is on you. If you don't prefer that, that's fine. But you do not get to go to that girl and make her feel like she's worthless because she's giving you an impure thought. That's on you, buddy. And I had that conversation with them and I said, and vice versa. But the church doesn't teach the vice versa. The church only teaches that if girls act and dress and look like a slut, then we are damaging and responsible for the salvation of the men and young men of the church. Fuck that. That was the first time I ever was, I was livid. And me and me and my husband at the time, the father of my children actually had a fight later that night because he didn't see anything wrong with it. And I, I thought it was one of the most damaging articles I had ever seen. And it was freaking going to be taught because it was in a, a youth magazine that the church puts out. So I knew it would be taught in their classes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's basically just backing up rape culture that a woman yeah. deserves it if she's dressed a certain way. And a man's not responsible. Mm-hmm. And I right, thought, right. holy shit. Yeah. It a hundred percent backs up rape, rape culture. It puts wow. all the onus on the woman and the, these young girls. And then after that, um, the second thing was my daughter at the time, um, she was going through a really hard time in her life. Um, she has um, OCD and is now starting to maybe look into seeing if she has OCPD, which is obsessive compulsive personality disorder. But she was going through a, a really tough time. And so we put her in Catholic school so that she would have a uniform. And, you know, it was a very structured school day and dress and everything. Uh-huh. Well, they don't have the same standards as Mormons. So when she went to her first school dance, she wore a short sleeveless dress. Actually, it was like a spaghetti strap. Uh-huh. And it was pretty short. And, you know, my husband and I had a huge fight about that as well. But I allowed it and I kind of put my foot down and I kind of overstepped him. And that's a different story, but I allowed it. And later that summer, she went to summer camp, which we call it. um, It's a camp basically where all the young women from ages 12 to um, 18 go while they're in high school. And she went and some other children from our, some other young women called her out and told her that, their parents aren't allowed, their parents told them that they're not allowed to associate with her because of how she was dressed. Wow. Cause she yeah. showed her shoulders. Yes. Because she showed her, showed her shoulders and her, like it wasn't two inches above the knee. Yeah. And, and she wore a bikini to the beach one time and yeah, that was, that was a big thing. So I actually had to reach out to this mother and father 
and give them the what for. And because she called me crying from young women's camp. Wow. She, you know, asked to borrow her, her phone because they take their phones away from them. And she called me crying. Wow. And uh, yeah. So, and the parents told their daughter that it wasn't that little girl's fault that she told rain. She was, she was 12 or 13 at the time. She was young. Right. She's just saying what she heard. Yeah. She's just yeah. saying what she heard. These grown ass fucking parents sat their kids down and said, this girl looks like a slut in our eyes and by our standards. And therefore you can't associate. Which I think is such a huge issue of so many different religions that the whole point of it is supposed to be to love each other, not to judge each other. And right. Fucking judgmental. Oh, it's so judgmental. And then one of the big things about this young women's camp is that we always encourage our kids, our daughters, because it's only girls that go. We always uh -huh. encourage our daughters to invite non-members to it because it actually is a very fun, wholesome camp. Uh -huh. However, this one year I went as a leader, um, we there was skit night. There's always a skit night and it's so much fun. And it used to be so pure and so just innocent and fun and goofy, you know, and the leaders put together a skit for the girls. And I thought, oh, fun. You know, I wasn't in it, but I thought, oh, great. Some of the leaders are putting together a skit. And those are always funny because the leaders act like goofballs and they get to see a different side of their leaders. Uh -huh. They basically gave a, a funny to them. It was funny. An example of what it was like. One of the leaders walked out and um, she wore a tank top underneath, but then tied, put on a t-shirt and tied it into a halter top. So it was represented that she only had a halter top and then she like rolled her shorts up really high. And the whole skit was about them judging her because of how she was dressed. Oh my well, gosh. And there was a whole room full of non-members that we invited, that <gasps> people invited to this, that don't dress in our standards. Right. And we just like made them feel like shit right there in that camp. Wow. Yeah. So that was like these little things started happening and my eyes started to be, you know, kind of open. They, like red yeah. flags were going off like crazy. And I really feel like I'm glad I witnessed all of these things because it knocked me out of the trance that I was in. Trance is an interesting word. Yeah. That I thought everything was perfect and, okay. and that my family was safe. Did you ever catch yourself judging? 100%. Because that was the environment you were around? Absolutely. And you actually know that I did, which is, it's a very embarrassing judgment because as I've told you, and I don't know that I've mentioned it on here, I honestly don't remember, but in college, I discovered that I was bisexual uh -huh. and it wasn't by curious back then we didn't have that term, you know, no. I mean? we didn't, right. but now by the definition, I know for a fact, I wasn't by curious because I was in a relationship with a, with a girl for um, almost a year. And, uh -huh. um, I, and I loved her and, but I hid that side of myself to go back to the church. And so I became very, extremely anti-gay with my family. Like it was fine if you wanted to practice it. I supported it because 
the the bisexual side of me couldn't just shut it out completely. Uh-huh. So I was very supportive of you if that's what you wanted to do, but don't bring it around my children. And one of the first things I did was when I first met our friend group was I flipped out that um, you were taking my kids to a movie with our friends who are a lesbian couple. And I, to this day, like that haunts me because of the fact that I threw a fit to to my kids, not to my kids. I threw a fit about it with within my family. But now I understand that that fit and that rage came from the fact that I couldn't live my true authentic self. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, it, it, like I, I was doing everything humanly possible to hide the fact of, you know, who I was. Uh-huh. So I wanted to keep everything that pointed towards it away from my kids as well. So at that point, did your ex-husband not know about your college relationship? No, he did okay. not. Okay. He did not know. He, he knew everything. He knew I was wild. He knew that I had done drugs. He knew that I had, you know, worked in a strip club for a while. He knew, like, he knew that I was buck ass wild, but he didn't know that I had been in a relationship with a woman. Okay. All right. So as your kids got older, you started catching these red flags and things that were having you question the, your LDS membership. How, how did that work itself out during your divorce? So when we got divorced or when we separated our lives and you have to remember that we were, we were the, we were like the poster child for the perfect LDS marriage. Like, I mean, we literally did everything right. Our date nights were to the temple. Our, like, we didn't go out, you know, to, I mean, every once in a while went to movies and things like that, but our, once a month, our date nights were to the temple. And even when, towards the end of our marriage, when, you know, when I knew things were going wrong, I was still going to the temple without him begging begging God to help me help our marriage. Like, Mm -hmm. what do I need to do? So when we moved to Texas and he finally moved out and it all came to a head, I thought for sure, because our church is all about service. Our church is all about protecting our own and, and service, get service to your neighbor and love thy neighbor. And well, there's, there's a, an exception. It's love thy neighbor unless they're getting a divorce. And then you don't want to catch that plague because that doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. I learned very quickly that we were, we were treated like we, we had like a zombie plague, like friends that we had gone over to their house and spent time with acted like they didn't know us. Wow. I lost Mormon friends that didn't know how to handle I had people send me messages on Facebook and Instagram before they deleted me from their friend group or their, I mean, like unfriended me Uh to tell me why they were unfriending me is because they can't handle my divorce. Well, oh, I'm sorry that my divorce is so fucking hard for you. Like me and my kids were devastated to the point where we all went a little batshit crazy for a second because I was devastated that I was losing my marriage of 20 years. And I was having an identity crisis because I was also having a faith crisis. 
Mm-hmm. And then, my, you know, each of my children were having a crisis of some kind because of the divorce. And like, it, it was like a pretty little beautiful painting picture of our family was suddenly peeled back and it was not as pretty as we all thought it was. And so we all handled that in a very, our own individual, but very devastating way. And we had no one. We had, we didn't have a single church member that was by our side through it. We didn't have, most of us didn't have family. Like my family is, was too Mormon to understand. And they abandoned me in my darkest hour. Wow. Even your family. Yeah, because they they don't know how to handle divorce. Mormons don't know how to handle divorce. And if anybody tells me differently, you're lying. It's like the bishop, my son said, why we came out of church one day and he goes, why won't Bishop, and I'm going to say it, why won't Bishop Gunn shake your hand? Like I've been over to this man's house. I had shaken shaken his hand many times. I had interviews with him. Like this man knew me. And he would not even shake my hand. He like, and my then in high school son noticed. And was your now ex-husband still going to church or was he not attending anymore at this point? No. And I don't want to get too far into his thing, but he was not attending at this point. He stopped attending in Michigan. And that was kind of part of his own faith crisis that he was going through. But um, which also led to our divorce. You know, that was just like one more thing. Mm-hmm. But no, he, I definitely wasn't trying to get to uh, into his story. I was just more curious if it is the same experience for most males that are getting divorced in the I'll church, let- or is that a female thing? Because I know when we interviewed Brian Hamlin, um, and I will have to tag what episode that is because i can't think of it off the top of my head but a few episodes back he said that that he did notice it but i just wondered from your experience do you think that it's mostly the women or do you think it's both just divorce in general that the lds church doesn't handle i think it's mostly the women and the reason why i'm going to say this i'm going to back it up if i'm going to make that claim on a i'm going to back it up even though my ex-husband was not attending church I'm the one that went to the bishop and asked for help. I went to Bishop Gunn and asked for help. Please help me. And, you know, just said, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my family. And he, he said, yeah, I'll follow up with you. And then that's when we got put on a do not contact list. I didn't see my home teachers. I didn't see my visiting teachers. The missionary stopped coming over. And I mean, my kids grew up where we had Mormons in our house constantly. And all of a sudden, no one wanted anything to do with this. And the only reason why I think it's more women than men is because I found out months after our divorce that Bishop Gunn and several other priesthood holders took my ex on a hunting trip and he was still hanging out with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They could still do something with him, but they couldn't do anything with me. And, and I, I know the reason why, because rumors flew like crazy, because at the time I had hockey players living in my house that were, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years old. And, you know, that's clearly the reason why to everybody on the outside, that was clearly the reason why we were getting a divorce is because, you know, these young guys, well, number one, like it wasn't my idea that these hockey players were living in the house. They were living in the house when my ex lived in the house. And at that time, 
I was going through divorce. The last thing on earth I was even thinking about was it, it wasn't because of an, an affair with a 20 year old. Right. Did, did my husband and I now end up together later on? Yes, we did. But that had nothing to do with the fact that the rumors went rampant. And I right. actually had a family member and a church member tell me that I should make them move out because it looks bad. And I thought, you son of a bitch. Like, I'm literally going through a divorce and I'm devastated. And your only advice to me is to make these guys move out because it looks bad that a single mom is living in a house full of kids with these two guys. Well, yeah, we, we can't have you near any males. Mm -mm. No, no. You might show your shoulders and provoke something. <laughs> <laughs> you slut you. <laughs> and, and you know what? I got to be honest. Like after my divorce, I whenever I dropped my basket and I went a little batshit crazy, I did. I went full like back to college years. Like I drank and I wore slutty dresses and I went through an identity crisis. Like I own it and I admit it. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. And it was even more ugly that I did it having children, um, teenage children, but I can't deny it. And I'm not going to pretend that it didn't happen because there's so many lessons that I learned within it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think that we've talked to enough people now that we know that pretty much everybody, at least those of us coming off of really long marriages, go a little batshit crazy. Yes. At first. And that might manifest in different ways, but you know, it, it's hard. It's hard when that's the only identity you've known for a couple decades and, and it gets stripped from you. And then you're like, well, shit, who am I then? And so you start trying to figure it out. And you, I think, you know, inadvertently default to what you last knew, which for those of us who have been in lifelong marriages was college. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. The, I mean, and then after, after my divorce, I'll say I started like really opening my eyes and I don't, I don't ever listen to other people. It's just not something like I listen to other people and I'll, I'll let them not necessarily plant the seed, but I'll hear what they're saying, but uh -huh. I'm a big research my own shit. Like uh -huh. that's who I am. And I'm not going to just regurgitate information unless I've done the research because I don't want it to not be true and I'll look stupid. So, right. And I've like, that's one of my big phobias is that to, to come off as stupid. So I, I started doing my own little research and I came up with different things that had kind of bugged me in the past. I looked into more and more and it, it just like, it unraveled before my eyes. And one of the things that you're not supposed to do in the Mormon church, like it is hammered into you, Cheryl you are not supposed to research things that you have questions about. So if you, if you wow. question something in the LDS church, um, it's actually wrong to research it. Yeah. You're, you're just not allowed to research um, anything that you have a question about. And it it's, they'll tell you, Oh, you'll find that out in the hereafter. Like those questions will all be answered in the hereafter. Well, the more, you know, now that I was no longer, I was kind of going through a faith crisis, I did my research and I started realizing, well, no freaking wonder they don't want you to research because the answers are very like telling. And 
I I can't ignore these answers. Like they they really pound it into you that if you look up things that you question about the Mormon church, you are on the verge of being an apostate. You are anti, like that's a big thing is you're anti, you're anti. All of that is anti, anti, anti. Well, you know what? If I'm going to believe this, I don't want to be restricted from researching to find out right. the red flags for me. I want to be able to discuss them and say to the church, hey, I think this is an unhealthy teaching. But if you do that, Cheryl, you're considered anti and you like if you can get in a lot of trouble in the church for doing that, that shit. Is extremely cult like. Mm. So I used to be you, it's funny you say that I used to verbally berate you in a, in the most intellect. Like I could argue the LDS religion. I, I was a seminary teacher for many years. Like I knew our religion so good and I still mm -hmm. do. I know basic doctrine in, in the LDS religion. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing. As soon as someone called us a cult, I would lose my shit and I would come at them and just hammer them down. But I mean, at the end of the day, the basic definition yeah. is it, it fits everything that we do. The Now that my blinders are off, I now see that you're not anti because you have questions that you and you research them. That's not anti. They don't want you to know the fucking answers. Exactly. Exactly. And like if there's nothing to hide, what is the problem exactly. with looking for answers outside of the church, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I will, I will say this until the day I die, the LDS religion, the basic concept and how they are with their families and their community. If they stopped being so hardcore and got rid of, you know, all of that man-made rules and regulations and standard shit, and just went back to the basic gospel and put Christ at the center of our church, which is what it's supposed to be. It would be a beautiful religion. If you, if uh -huh. you like religion, it would be a beautiful religion, but all of that extra man-made shit, it's harmful period. And I know that if a church member listens to this and sends it to Utah, I'm going to get excommunicated. And I, I, I mean, it is what it is. And I stand by it. It's a beautiful religion, but we fucked it up by all this man-made bullshit. And on yeah. top of that, we're, you know, we, we're not accepting of the gay community and I, I can't accept that either. So, especially as someone that denied myself that and who's one of my children is so. Right. Well, the gay community. And then I know BYU, I'm not speaking for the whole LDS religion, but BYU itself has been under fire lately for a lot of racist shit. Yeah. And so just the judgment, you know, in general about uh, different people. And I think that the Catholic religion, just because I spent so many years attending those churches can say, you know, that they're suffering from the same issues. They're losing members left and right because of the same thing, just the judgment that's been put in. And if anything, that should be the polar opposite of what a religion is teaching you. If right. you're following the original idea of what most religions follow, you know? Right. And I'll have to say, whether it's the Catholic church, the Catholic church and the Mormon church, all 
from my perspective and my experience, they get lumped into the to you know to the same group a lot. They kind of get ostracized by mainstream Christianity mm-hmm. a lot because they are a little bit different. But I think what we've seen in the in the Catholic Church and what we've seen in the Mormon Church with all the the porn addiction and the pedophilia and things like that. I think we've proven over and over and over again that when you tell man and by man, I mean, man, penis balls, man, that he, when you restrict him in his sexuality in any way and in the Catholic church, it was priests, correct? Correct me Uh if I'm wrong. Still is. Yeah, yeah. Where they're not allowed to have sexual relationship. They have to commit totally to, to God. Is that what it is? It is. Yep. Okay. And in the Mormon church, we're very strict on bland type of sex. Like there's no sex toys. There's no, you can't be too creative in the bedroom because, mm-hmm. you know, and the way we raise our girls to be so modest that they literally are afraid to kind of let their inhibitions go. And, you know, girls are already, as women, we already struggle with letting our inhibitions go in the bedroom. You know, we're already a very insecure creature to begin with. And then when you put them in a religion that makes them feel insecure and you marry them off to men who are very sexual beings, Mormons have um, one of the highest porn addictions with their, with their men um, than any other religion in the world. And you get a lot of, um, and again, this is going to suck for me to say, but it's true. You get a lot of instances with uh, spousal rape. You get a lot of instances with uh, pedophilia. You, that's where that, all of that comes from because you've restricted these men and these sexual beings in such a way. And if, if we're going to say that these are God created, if we're, if we're going to go there and say that these are, are beings created by God, then we have to say, okay. And again, I'm coming from a religious point of view. Then we have to say that God gave them their sex drive. Well, right. If God gave them their fucking sex drive and then you restrict that sex drive and you give them bland ass fucking women, what do you want from these men? Like, I'm not condoning it in any way, but we're breeding that into them. We are, we are creating the perfect storm for these men to be predators. Oh, absolutely. And that's just almost identically the same in, in the Catholic religion. And, um, infidelity is at an all-time high in the catholic religion yeah for for many of those same reasons and then that's not even yeah that's not even touching on the fact that within all of that we're not even coming close to teaching our women that it's okay to be sexual beings we're putting them at the mercy of the man yes these religions and not allowing them i mean what if they have the high sex drive. What if they're the ones that, you know, we're, we're not even coming close to talking about that issue within these religions. So yeah, there's, especially for the younger people who now have so much information at their fingertips due Mm -hmm. to, you know, the information age, I, I feel like that is just such a huge driving force behind why the numbers are dwindling. 
I was part of a in in 2000 and no, not 2000. And um, it started in 1997. I was part of a group that we were LDS women, wives and mothers from all over the world. And it was, I think at our highest, maybe we were 1500. I don't quite remember totally, but we were from all over the world. And we even had like yearly or, or every other year get togethers where we would all come into one place and we would have a weekend, a three day, three or four day weekend um, getaway together. And it was, very spiritual and fun and enlightening. And and we had been friends. I'm still friends with them since 1997. And we met, all of us met on the internet. It's crazy. Um, You had to know someone in in real life to get invited to the group. But of all of those women that I know, I I can honestly tell you that more are divorced than not. And whenever I hear their stories, I have so many of them that there was stories of infidelity and people that I know in the church that are divorced. It was because of infidelity or porn addiction. We're breed, we're creating a breeding ground for unhealthy sexual exploration, I guess. Like it, we're not allowing people to be healthy in who they are sexually and because of that we are causing a lot of dangerous and traumatic and very serious situation absolutely and i can see where that was possible more so like 15 20 years ago because we didn't have the internet for people to see that there was something else out there so if you were within your religious community growing up then that was your normal and you had no idea that there was other things going on or, or other possibilities even out there. But nowadays people just know these things. I mean, you have it at the touch of a button. We're all walking around with it in our back pockets. We can look up whatever we want to look up and we can find out very easily that, Oh, the, the way that I'm being told is not the way that everybody's doing this. You right. Know? Yeah. And, and which I guess goes back a little bit to uh, to what you were saying about not researching like on your own. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. it, it you know, they, they want to keep things like they used to be. But you can't do that now that people have information. If, if they want to know something, they can very easily access that. Yeah, exactly. And so thankfully, out of that group, a lot of them have left the church because of all of these reasons. Like... When something traumatic happens in your life, and a lot of it is divorce, the natural next step is people leave the church. And the reason why is because their eyes are open during that whole process Uh for the same reasons that my eyes were open. But I will say that this is something that people may not agree with me with. But if since we're talking about, you know, a deep dive into the Mormon religion, what, because we as women are raised to, like, we're not supposed to dress sexy. We're not supposed to wear sexy items to bed. You know, lingerie and shit like that is not, it's frowned upon. It's not bad, but it's, it is frowned upon. It's, we definitely don't have sex toys. You know, that's a big thing. And we're mm-hmm. not taught as women to be sexual beings. And like, I always had a very high sex drive. 
So it was very hard for me to be Mormon because I wanted to be buck ass wild in the bedroom, but it was frowned upon. So things that I like now with my husband, I was never allowed to do as a Mormon. Like, dear God, I would think I was going to hell if I did these things back then. And that had to fuck with your mind so much because it then did. Yeah, because then you're you're feeling like your sexual nature is sinful or it, that's bad. exactly what and we're taught. It's taught for creating awful. children only. It's not taught for, it's not done for pleasure. Well, it's very fucking pleasurable. And last time I checked, God created us, if that's what you believe. So how am I supposed to believe that the God I'm worshiping that created us to be sexual beings, but then at the same time, you're telling me that I'm not supposed to be a sexual being. What? Like, it's so yeah. confusing. And so the women are taught that, you know, we're supposed to be very old fashioned and non-sexual and demure and all of that. So a lot of us, I'm not going to lie. I mean, again, people are going to get upset by this, but a lot of us let ourselves go. We become frumpy. We don't really believe in birth control that much. So we pop out, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight kids. And, you know, cause we're like Catholics where we have kids, like there's no tomorrow. Uh-huh. And that does a lot on a, on a woman's body. And I'm not body shaming. I'm speaking in truth here that, you know, that does a lot on our bodies and we let ourselves go and our, our self-esteem goes down because we're not allowed to be the sexual beings that we were created to be. Uh-huh. And because of that, it's very easy for a man to be at work or in his daily life and see these hot ass chicks out there that are are allowing themselves to be sexual beings and flirtatious and fun. And yeah, I'm sorry, but as a wife, I could see how it was very hard to come home. And I was this, I had completely let myself go because I wasn't allowed to think of myself as a sexual being. And that's where the infidelity comes from. Like we're not setting our couples up for success because like, I literally believe the church is fucking it up. I believe the church is solely responsible. And I won't say so. I won't say solely highly responsible because everyone has their, their right to their own thoughts and actions. But Uh I will say the church plays a huge role in what is happening and men stepping out on their women. Oh, absolutely. And knowingly so, because I will, and I've talked to you about this before, I will never forget the day that your ex-husband told me what garments were and explained to me their purpose. And I was blown away. Like, how is this a thing? So the church obviously knows that infidelity is an issue because they're giving you extra things to wear to make you mindful of the fact that you're about to cheat on your spouse, but they aren't taking necessary steps to rectify the issue. Right. I I mean, I guess in their head, the garments are a necessary step, but that's a band-aid. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, I know many people who willingly took off their garments and had sex with a woman, you know, or the man. So they're just, they're not addressing it. They're not addressing it. And they're creating this, this whole perfect storm for infidelity and porn addiction and pedophilia and all of this. And it's, it's dangerous and it's harmful. 
and it's toxic, but we're not allowed to speak of it. We're not allowed to address right. it at all. I remember one time my ex-in-laws, I was bent over, you know, changing my then baby's diaper. And next, you know, a couple hours later, my mother-in-law asked me to go walking and I was like, oh, sure. And I went for a walk with her and she addressed the fact that I had on leopard print panties under my garments. And she said, um, you know, that's inappropriate. If you're going to wear panties with your garment, I was on my period at the time. And she was like, if you're going to wear panties with your garment, they need to be white. And wow. I felt like shit. And come to find out that's not true. Come to find out the rules had changed. And she just wasn't aware of them because she was old school. But she made me feel like shit. But just the fact that you have a religion that is telling you what kind of underwear you can wear. I mean, that right. that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That I, is a problem. You can't control people like that. And call that godly i don't i don't know I, to me that's just so incredibly bad backwards it's complete control like it's yeah. complete control and we are so into it that we like i i get people don't get like with what happened in waco and things like that they don't understand why people would defend something with with their very lives i get it I was willing to to defend my church with my very life. And Cheryl, I'll even tell you to this day, it is very hard for me. Like I, when this is aired, I will go through a very depressive period. I can already tell you, I will go through a very depressive period where I will beat myself up because there is still that nagging in the back of my mind of what if they are the true church and what if I've just done this and released all of this information and now I will be cast out into outer darkness because of it. Because speaking ill against the church is comparable to murder. It's like I will lose my, my chance at the three entities in heaven. Wow, that's what they teach you? Yeah, I, will, I, I definitely at this point won't make it into the celestial kingdom, which was, is the highest here. I won't make it into the terrestrial kingdom. And... I, you know, now that I've spoken out against the church, I definitely won't make it in the celestial kingdom. So the only other option is outer darkness. And how much of you still believes that? There is still a part of me that believes that. That makes this, like anytime I speak ill of the church, and I don't speak ill out of just nastiness, because I, I want to say that right now, I, I am not one of those people that is just going to, like, I don't want to make fun of the, the temple and the things that I did, because then I'm making fun of 20 years of my life. And right, absolutely. there was a lot of good that came out of me, uh, and really my whole life, because I was born and raised in the church. But there, there's a lot of good that came out of my parenting and my relationship with my ex-husband. There was a lot of good and good Christian values, but there's a lot of bad too. So it, there's that part of me that I won't speak too much ill because there's that part of me that still believes the what Which if. I think, is, I think that's fair. I mean, we're all living in a world where we don't necessarily have the answer. And, right. you know, we all just go with what we believe. So that's fair. But in fairness, you're speaking about your experience. You're not speaking wholly of anything negative, but you had a negative experience. And I think yes. it's fair to talk about that yes because you for damn sure aren't the only one 
No, it, it, and I'm not. And now that I'm on the other side, I've done my research and I've, I see a lot more that every few months I'm less and less, I feel less and less guilt towards it. Like for instance, the whole thing with uh, our temple, there are, and, and even now I still won't tell the whole thing because I still feel guilt. But uh-huh. there are things that we do in the temple that I was taught are the most sacred, like it, it's equivalent to to being in God's presence. Like it, it is so sacred. And uh-huh. I will not discuss those. Like I'll discuss them, but I won't show you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I won't like actually do the, the things that we do in there. But I was watching a Hulu. I think it was Hulu. Maybe it was Netflix. I was watching the Masons, uh, the history of the Masons, the Masonic mm-hmm. Lodge. And I was watching that with my husband recently. And one of the episodes, they did one of the things that we do in the temple. They, they did a, a certain thing. And I was like, wait, what? Because we're taught that those things are directly from God. So I remember pausing it and I was like, I was like in shock. And my husband was like, what's going on? And I was like, no, we do that in the temple. And that came like, we are told that that came from God and no one else knows about it. Why are the Masons doing it? Uh-huh. Well, Joseph Smith was a Mason. I did my research. Oh. So now I know that the things we did in the temple are the things done in secret in the Masonic Lodge where wow. Joseph Smith stole them. They're, and we're told not to talk about them, so we're never going to put two and two together. And the Masons are told not to tell their, their what they do behind closed doors. So now you've got two groups doing the same goddamn thing, but not allowed to speak to it, to you know, about it to each other. And Mormons aren't allowed to be Masons, by the way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So huh. now I'm like, put all of that together, and I'm like, son of a bitch, like... I feel so fucking duped. Wow. I feel totally duped because I mean, how could you not? Yeah. It it sounds stupid, but I literally grew up believing that these things were done by God and I couldn't tell you about them or I was going to go to hell and Masons were afraid of being kicked out, you know, if they told, but yeah, all of the things that the Masons do, we do or a variation of, and both of them, are very secretive and hold high, high rules about not speaking <clears throat> about it. <laughs> well, I guess that explains why. Mm-hmm. Yep. And more, and it's frowned upon for Mormons to be Masons. Interesting. Yep. Huh? Yeah. Huh. So, so how did the journey with your kids go? Did they leave on their own accord did you let them decide on their own did you quit going and they just kind of were like yeah me too how did that work well when i kind of dropped my basket and went a little bat shit um my oldest daughter left first even before i knew i was on my way out before i would recognize it my oldest daughter left and then i left but i was going through such an identity crisis that i kind of accidentally forced my younger two into an identity crisis as well with, with the church. Uh Um, My son stayed in the longest, but then he got old enough to start noticing some things as well. So my girls left quickly 
um, fairly quickly, but my son held on and he was the last link um, in our family to the church. And then things happened to him that, and not like bad things, but things, he saw things where he was like, like the Bishop not shaking my hand. And Mm -hmm. he was actually an Eagle project away from getting his Eagle, um, Eagle scout. And because he didn't have a father that was at the time mentally capable of helping him, Mm -hmm. but yet all the young men presidency, the, the leaders all failed him because he was living with a single mom and they, they didn't support him like all the other young men. So he, he literally did the entire boy scout process and was, didn't get his Eagle Scout because no one would help him with his Eagle project. And I didn't know enough to help him. So he felt very devastated. I think he took the loss of the church the hardest. Um, I can't speak for my girls though, but he visually took the loss of the church the hardest. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. But we've had very good talks now and all of us are all in the same. Now that we're all mentally healthier, we, we talk about things and we talk openly about it. And we all think that we're on the healthier side of things having left the church. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And so you just let them figure it out on their own. And, and then I'm wondering with the journey that your kids have taken since leaving the church, if that would have been a lot different. I I know one of your kids is part of the LGBTQ community. Do you think that that would have been different for them if, if you wouldn't have left the church or if they had chosen not to leave the church? Oh, hundred percent. It was actually a healthier conversation. She came out to me. She was actually very fearful. And I hate to say that, but she was fearful of, of how I would react because I had not been truthful of my past with my mm-hmm. kids. Um, I was hiding and I was trying to be the perfect Molly Mormon. And so when she came out to me, she was very tearful and fearful of my reaction because of how I had portrayed myself in the past. And I laughed that not like laughed at her, but I like giggled. I giggled at her reaction. Like I didn't mean to, but I was like, and she was like, wait, you're not upset. And I was like, no, I'm not upset because I have not been honest with you. And I once was, you know, and then I actually came out to her. Um, and, And so had she came out to me before I left the church, it would have been, I'm sad to say this, but I have to say this. It would have been an entirely different response, even though I was and am, I was in a relationship and am a bisexual woman. It would, I was so much in hiding and fearful of that side of me that I would not have made it a safe place for her to come out to. And that breaks my heart as a mother. But luckily that didn't happen. And when she did come out to me, I was in a, in a place where I could present a safe and healthy place for her. Thank goodness. But I I know that that is not the case for so many of our Mormon youth that that is just not happening with them. And, you know, in a population that already has such a high rate of mental illness and suicide, it's just such a sad thing that they won't accept. And sometimes, you know, 
even their own children. And well, that that's heartbreaking. We actually, so twice a year, we have this thing called general, general conference okay. where we um, listen to the apostles and church leaders, general authority speak and the, the prophet of our church, which is the president. And we actually hear them, you know, they give talks and things and, we come together as a country, like uh, not as a country, as a world, we come together as a world and we, whether you're, no matter what country you're in, you are watching this being broadcast basically. Uh And there was several talks. I, I can't even name them all that I am very disheartened by because the more the LGBTQ community became, they became safe in coming out. They felt safe coming out i should say Uh um the more they came out the more our leaders spoke up and we had several instances in general conference and then we also had an instance with at a byu conference uh thing where the things that our leaders said were so harmful that they caused um there were actually, unfortunately, people that took their lives after those words were spoken because what you have is you have people who, when you're part of a religion that is is very cult-like, you are raised to believe it with all your heart. And you do. Like you put your heart and your soul into that religion and that is your safe place. And when your leaders then speak out and even present rules where they, and, and, um, uh, advice where they tell your, your families that they need to not have your gay members around your family. And if that's your children, there were parents who were shunning their children there were, and their siblings couldn't be around them. There were recently, there was actually one of the leaders that I used to absolutely love to hear him talk. And he spoke at a BYU conference and he said that we needed to basically take up arms. And he meant it in a metaphorical way, but you never say to a mass group, we need to take up arms against any community because that will be taken literally by some. And unfortunately, and especially don't say that when you, you know, I know our leaders aren't stupid. I know they're not. And I know they know that we have an entire community of people who are struggling with, with mental health and with high, high suicide rates. Mm-hmm. Why on earth, if you, the, literally the name of Jesus Christ is in the name of our church and everything we do as Mormons, not the Mormons that you hear about on TV, not the polygamous Mormons, because they're not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When you are a member of our church, everything you do is in Christ's name and you are supposed to be Christ-like in every action you take, every thought, every action, every everything. Uh How can you be Christ-like and say things that you know are going to harm an already wounded group, a group of people who are already suffering from a very high uh, rate of suicide. How are Absolutely. you How are you going to claim that you are Christ-like, which is something that we as LDS 
claim to be. And and this goes for any Christian group. I don't give a shit if you're Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, whatever. How can you claim to be Christian if you are going to say you cannot have gay members in your home? You cannot associate with gay friends, gay family members. How the LGBTQ community needs to be completely separate. That is not the life that Christ lived. Christ was not. It's literally in the Bible. Everyone wants to talk about the Bible. Let's talk about the fucking Bible for a second, people. Christ was not in there with all of the priests and and holy people where they literally had to come find him because he was out on the streets with the thieves and the adulteresses and the adult, you know, adulterers and the sick and afflicted and the mentally ill. He was out there among those people and he called them his people. Right. Because that's where he could do the most ministry. And those are the people that he cared about. The people sitting on their high horse in the freaking temple, they didn't need him. Right, exactly. And yet, I believe that as Christians, no matter what religion you are, we've gotten so far away from Christ that we've forgotten Christ and we've removed Christ from Christianity because we are not allowing people to be who they are and still be Christian. I don't know what makes you think that you hold Christianity for ransom. Um, and, and can't let other people belong, but that is not your fucking call. Right, right. As if Christ only existed for the straight white person. Exactly. Even though he himself was not white. <laughs> exactly. And and at the same time, there's black Baptist churches that don't accept the LGBTQ community. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, I mean religions around the world. Yeah. So th- this is this is just something that, and I can only speak for the Christian community because I grew up a Christian. But as Christians in general, if you shun anyone, that is not following Christ, right? And I'm not saying murderers, things like. Well, I mean, to be honest, it's not your job. But right, you know, you do have to keep a safe. You know, there, there's there's a limit to that, but. In general, like if if a gay family or a les you know whatever lesbian queer family whatever if they want to be if they're Christian and that's who they believe and is God in Christ and they want to be a member of your church and you turn them away because of how their family is and because of that you don't believe in who they are as a family then I'm sorry but that's not Christian. No, you're not practicing what Christ literally showed you by example. Right. Literally died for. Literally died for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And But go ahead and wear your Rolex. And uh, if you're a preacher, go ahead and wear your Rolex and drive your big ass fucking um, Range Rover and live in your fancy ass house and send your kids to private school and take money from the elderly that believe in you in your congregation and keep turning real, real people away. Go ahead and see what, see who you have to answer to on the hereafter. Well, absolutely. And just with that in the here and now, quit wondering why your numbers are dwindling mm-hmm. when you're teaching people that hate is synonymous with Christ. Yeah. That just Those things don't go together. 
yeah well should should not go together however they have become quite common as uh, as synonymous currently which is yes. sad and now now that i have uh spoken out and been open about who i am and that i am bi- bisexual if a church member listens to this and turns me into the church um i will be excommunicated wow yeah that's so that's so sad and if that does happen i mean it would be awful for someone to do that but i know that there are people like that that exist in the world yep. and but then you just have to wonder you know what the universe is telling you that obviously isn't for you if they can't support who you are as a whole person yes but there is still that side of me that the whole reason why i haven't removed my name from the church record it's because we believe that those records are written in heaven. And if I remove my name from the church records, I remove my name from God's presence in the hereafter. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not in those church records. So if it happens, then we're just going to go to hell together. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but can we, can we drink something better than an IPA in hell? I'm sure they have pickle vodka shots. Okay. And we, know, we know how you love those. Mm. And, I mean, is it even hell if they don't have fireball? That The name itself has to come from exactly. the devil. Exactly. Oh, my God. Cheryl, <laughs> Cheryl, will you drink fireball with me in hell? I will gladly do a double shot with you as we arrive. Oh, my God. We're here, bitches. <laughs> We're going to fuck shit up in hell. <laughs> We're going to run what, that place. What's the worst that can happen? We're already in hell. That's true. That's true. With fireball. I exactly. mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing the bad part of this quite yet. No, I'm going to fuck shit up. I'm going to do some damage. <laughs> well, I hope that I hope that I've kind of answered some of your questions and shed some light on some things and you've definitely answered all of my questions and i imagine that there will be people who have further questions for you particularly your your fellow lds members that might have more detailed questions than anything i could think of so i would love to hear all the questions we will put this on our social media so that we can get a conversation going um but as always if you're not comfortable putting it on our regular social media please dm us and we will post for you anonymously um we just like to keep the conversation going yes yes we do and Big announcement at the end of episode 25. Stay tuned because we are um, launching something soon. So you'll want to, yeah, you don't want to miss it. No, you don't. It's going to be super exciting. I'm excited. Yes, it will. All right. Great. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you in just a couple of weeks for episode 26. And until then, have a great couple of weeks. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.